Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good? Well, I just want to welcome you to Connect. If you're here for the first time, my name is Pastor Derek, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. It's an honor and pleasure to be with you on such a beautiful, what a glorious day. Come on, somebody. It's awesome. Man, God did a good job today. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he did a good job when he made you too. Turn to your second choice and say, you too. You too, you too. Well, we want to welcome you. We want to welcome all our online viewers as well on cable and the internet, etc. We are so glad you're joining us with the continuation of our series, You Asked For It, which is a series that really is based on questions that you asked for. We surveyed the church through a text message, and basically, if you didn't get that text message, it's because you haven't signed up for that service. If you just look in our worship guide or on version, it'll have how to do that on there. But we asked people, like, what are your top questions? What are your Bible thumper questions? Let's get the pastor up there on the platform, make him sweat. <laughs> and so every single Sunday, we've been doing different uh, subjects from, you know, why are you so stressed, you know, and, and we talked about stress. That was the number one question. Frankly, it's been the number one question the three times we've done the series. Amazing. And then we talked about, you know, kind of, you know, how do I figure out what I'm created to do? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Very relevant question. Everybody wants to know that that was week two. Week three, we kind of went into the, 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 the eschatological sequence of the end of days. Dum, dum, dum. And, and everybody wanted to know, like, you know, are we living in the end times? And so we kind of took a huge subject and put it into one message, oversimplified, a very complicated thing. The fourth week, Pastor Deej got up here, uh, one, of our, one of our dream team pastors, and he took questions from ranging from cremation all the way to the sensitive subjects of, like, suicide and what the Bible has to say about that. Tons of questions in between, really, really relevant. And then last week... We had a hot topic. <laughs> Team this up. You see how I'm teeing that up? We had a hot topic. People wanted to know, this is the question that people had. If, if he's such a loving God, why would God send anyone to hell? Now, that sometimes that's asking an accusatory tone, sometimes in an inquisitive tone. And so we answered that. In fact, the response at the end of the message, and you have to listen to that message because it is so, if, you're, if you consider yourself a Christ follower, it's going to help you in way more ways than what the question was asking. But I believe that that question is a deceptive question that the enemy has planted into our culture and our society today to get us to view God differently. Because if your view of God is wrong, your relationship would be wrong with him. Can I have an amen? I'm looking for a talking back church today. Come on, somebody. All right. So, so the better question is, is not how could a loving God send anybody to hell, but how can anybody reject such a loving God? That's really what that's all about. You've got to get that message. CDs are free in, um, in the lobby if you want those as well. Um, today I'm excited to talk about our topic because I knew you were going to ask this question. And, and, and there's a lot of uh, misinformation and myths and misconceptions about this subject and a lot of just uh, people thinking it's based on something other than what Scripture has to say. And what we've said throughout the entire series is we're not going to base our beliefs on Google but on God. Come on, somebody. Not on Siri but on Scripture. We're, we're, we're not going to base it on Yahoo but Yahweh. Come on. The king and not Bing. All right. Anyway, we'll stop this right now. <laughs> so we're going to take all these complicated questions, instead of looking at through men's, man's opinion, his kind of uh, windshield, we're going to look at them through God's eyes. 
and God's perspective and God's word. Amen? Here's your big idea. Write this down if you're taking notes because we're going to talk about the question, what about heaven? What about heaven? All aspects of heaven. Here's the big idea today. Life is finding him. It's about finding him. And when you find him, it's about leveraging your life for him. That's our big idea that we'll unpack throughout this entire message today. Life is about finding God, and then when you find him, it's about leveraging your life for him. Now, God put inside of you, and we used this scripture a couple weeks ago, this question, this, this, this longing, this yearning to know or find God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, look in your notes. It says, he, God, has also set eternity in the human heart. Another translation says he planted, he planted eternity in the human heart. Another way of saying that is that there's something that he put inside you that wants to know about forever. There's something inside of you that wants to know about uh, is there a God? Is there a relationship with God? He wants to know about heaven and eternity. There's some kind of a hole there, a void, and it, and it, and it draws you to want to know more about God. Now, sometimes you, you, you might say, well, I don't feel that. Well, there are times when you do feel it. You feel it in moments of difficulty and, and, and maybe in tragedy or defining moments in your life and when reality of life hits. When the realities of life hit and, and the temporary of life surfaces. You realize that life is short. It's a mist. It can be here today. It's gone tomorrow. When you're sitting maybe in a funeral, we all think about eternity at a funeral. We realize, especially if it's someone that seemingly passed too early, too quickly, and how many times we said, oh my gosh, that nobody should, nobody should have, to have gone so quickly, or nobody should have to, to, to outlive their children, or things like that that we say. And it's, it's in those moments that eternity is quickened in us. Something inside of us wants to know more about those kind of things. We had it as a child. We have it in moments, uh, defining moments in our life. We have it in moments of reality and, and travesty and tragedy in our lives as well. God put something inside you that wants to know about heaven. So we're going to talk about heaven. Is everybody excited about this? Before we get going, let me give you some questions that people ask about heaven, though, and they're not quite as serious. And here's one of the questions that people ask. Will, will my pets be in heaven? Okay? So here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the answer. Dogs, yes. Cats, no. Okay? So let's just move on. Let's just move on, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All you cat lovers, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. I'm pretty sure that my next-door neighbor's dog is going to hell. I'm pretty positive about that. There's no grace for that dog whatsoever. At least I don't have any. Um, <laughs> the Bible says that the Bible, you know, references that there'll be animals and there'll be animals in heaven. Now, you might be able to pet them, play with them. I'm not sure. It doesn't get super specific. But it actually says that the lion and the lamb in heaven will actually lie together. They'll be side by side. A lion gets saved. You know what I mean? He loses his carnivorous appetites apparently in heaven, which is kind of cool. Here's another question people ask. Um, why do they have gates in heaven? Why do they have gates in heaven? Is it a dangerous neighborhood? <laughs> I don't have an answer for that one. Just wanted to put that out there because you asked for it. All right. Another question that Pastor Deej already talked about is will there be marriage in heaven? Will there be marriage in heaven? And so some of you, when, when, when you heard Pastor Jesus' answer, if you were here for that, uh, the Bible says in, in, in Matthew, and it says also in the book of Luke, that there will be no marriage in heaven. In fact, the questions were asked by these Pharisees to try to stump Jesus and ask this crazy question. They were trying to, these Sadducees were trying to prove that there was no resurrection. And Sadducees are, are, are sad, you see, uh, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. But anyway, that's funny all by itself. But... 
they, they were trying to stump him. And he's like, you don't even understand the power of God. You don't understand the resurrection. There will be no marriage nor anyone given in marriage. And so some of you might be upset about that and some of you might be happy. You know what I mean? So if you're upset about that, we have relationship series beginning in the fall. <laughs> um, here's another question people ask. Will we have wings like an angel in heaven? Now, there's this, there's no, okay, no, we won't, okay? We're not going to be flapping around, bling, 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 you know what I mean? Wrapped in like a white, you know, linen or something like that, you know, hello, are you serious? But anyway, that's what people, we get these ideas riding the clouds. It's a myth. It's not based on scripture. But there are things in scripture that, that denote that we will be able to travel great distances in short periods of time. And I don't have time to unpack that, but some cool things in the Bible about that. Here's another one that people, and it leads up to a, a bigger question that will get us a little more serious. But will there be any other music in heaven besides harp music? Like if that's all you hear, you're in hell. Okay, that's funny. I don't care what you say. All right. Um. Here's the question, though, that really bugs me the most. This is the question that, that I think people ask or people think at some point in time in their life. Will heaven be boring? Isn't it interesting that this is, has anybody ever heard somebody or have you ever felt like that, if you could be honest, that you, you're concerned? Some people think that, that heaven is just a little better than hell, you know? And, and some of that's because we're, we're so preoccupied with earth that we can miss the benefits of heaven. In fact, it might be that there's an adversary, an enemy to our souls that wants us so preoccupied with this life that we're not looking forward to the next. And so this is a concern, and many aren't excited about going there because of what they think, what they hear, what they've been told, what they think it's going to be like. In fact, there's this far side cartoon that I pulled up. This is, people think it's going to be boring. So there's this guy, and he's, he's sitting on the clouds. He's got his wings, and he's like, you know, anybody got a magazine, you know? Because he's assuming, you know, it was going to be great, but it wasn't. He gets up there and he's bored. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not what heaven is all about, okay? It's not going to be like that, all right? So what is heaven all about is what we need to talk about. The Bible has a ton to say about this subject. In the short time I have, I want to give you some good uh, instruction or doctrine about this. Because one of the things that the Bible instructs Christians to be preoccupied with is the stewardship of your life. Not just your resources, your, your money, but your time. Your time. Life is a temporary assignment in a temporal world. You are actually a spiritual being having a human experience. And that human experience is this short against the backdrop of eternity. And so we need to know how to steward our lives in the here and now. My friend and pastor has this phrase that I adopted over 20 years ago. He said that life is not a dress rehearsal. It's the real show. You don't get to do over. You don't get to try it again. You don't get to retake, reboot, refresh, restore. No, you get one shot at this life. And this, this one little slice in eternity affects the rest of eternity. And that's the perspective that I want you to have as we get into this. Look in your notes at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and, read, and just read along with me. You don't have to read it out loud, but just follow along with me. And it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know. Paul's instructing them that he wants them to know something. Why would he say that? Because the world, culture sometimes, the enemy doesn't want us to know. Because I believe the enemy knows that if we did know what, what Paul wants to tell us, that we would act, live, and even behave differently. 
Even our bad days would be redefined by this perspective that God wants us to have about heaven. So, and it says, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, I've read this particular scripture many times, in particular at funerals, because you can almost see a divide. You can almost see it on the countenance of people. Some people are grieving at the loss of a loved one without hope, and some are grieving at the loss of a loved one with hope. Both hurt, but one hurts more than the other. Because one is temporary, because we understand this life to be just a temporary assignment, a temporary passing through. But others, we don't know that, we don't have that confidence, and so we grieve differently. And Paul's saying, I want you to know something so that you don't grieve like people without hope. Does that make sense to everybody? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again... We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring him back with the believers. So a hallmark of the Christian faith is what we refer to as Jesus coming, his, 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 his return. And first he comes and he takes the believers to be with him. We talked about this a few weeks ago in the rapture. And then he comes what we call the second coming of Christ. And we're called to ready ourselves for his return. And I actually can make the case and did a little while ago that I believe we're maybe the first generation in all of history where, where Christ could come and take his bride to be with them at any moment. I don't believe we can know the hour, the day, the time, according to Scripture in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, but we can see that we are in that season. And the signs are very clear that we are in that season. But God's going to bring with him the believers who have died. We'll tell you this directly from the Lord. And then Jesus tells Paul these details. He says, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. So those who have gone before us will meet God first. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. It's going to be loud. Okay, so if you don't like the music, it's too loud for you here, get ready for heaven, all right? It says, first, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Those who have gone before who were believers, they will rise first from the graves. You're probably saying, well, wait a second, I thought they were already in heaven. Their souls are in heaven, but their bodies aren't. Now their bodies and souls will meet Jesus in the air. They'll receive their resurrected body at that particular time. That's what's happening here at the rapture. Again, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How many can't wait for their raptured body, their, their resurrected body, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm still going to have this good-looking face, but I'm going to be six foot two and be able to dunk a basketball, Okay. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm not kidding. Anyway. All right. So anyway. Um, so, so then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. Everybody say caught up. That's the rapture. Into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There'll be this huge family reunion. Everybody will see it. Poof. They'll take off. Gone. Then they will be with the Lord forever. And so Paul says to pastors to tell the church, encourage people with these words. So I want to encourage you with that. Heaven is awesome. Heaven is something that you can look forward to. And if you understand it and you understood it, you'd actually probably want to go there right now. Seriously, okay? But one of the things that I want to clear up about heaven is the now heaven and the later heaven. I want, there's two types of heaven. And you got to stay with me. Some of you are going to hear something you haven't heard maybe ever or you haven't heard in a long time or maybe just wasn't crystal clear to you. But we have what we call an intermediate heaven. There's kind of this now heaven. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, a later heaven. Now, the intermediate heaven is uh, Jesus talks about this. Paul talks about this in the New Testament. Uh, There's this place, and it's called paradise. Everybody say paradise. 
In fact, there's, a, there's the familiar passage of Scripture where Jesus himself uses this word when he's being crucified on the cross between two thieves, one on the left and one on the right. One is mocking him, and if you're the Son of God, da, da, you do this. The other one is recognizing him as the Son of God and repentant, and as a result is saved. And Jesus says to him in chapter 23 of Luke, it says, Jesus, uh, the 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 criminal says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me where? In paradise. Paradise. So this word paradise needs a little bit of uh, um, unpacking, okay? Paradise is where people who die now and people who have died before us go. Now, it's hard to kind of describe this without maybe like some word pictures or some illustration. But uh, literal meaning for this word paradise is a place of rest. It's a temporary place of rest. And it, it would be like uh, you and I uh, working a long week. Uh, we're ex- for example, tomorrow, my wife and it's my day off tomorrow. My wife's out of school. We'll go somewhere tomorrow together, have like a little couple time and date or something, take a little day trip or something like that. Maybe go to the beach or something like that. Bring a picnic lunch, put a blanket out, have some choice foods and delicacies, maybe some Entenmann's raspberry Danish. And uh, I'm mean, just saying, I don't know, maybe. And... Um, and then, um, and then we'll just enjoy the, the, the climate, we'll enjoy the ocean, we'll enjoy the sun, and maybe it, we'll stay all day and enjoy the stars and drive back along the coastline. So, like, that picture is the picture of paradise. That's kind of the word picture for paradise. It's like a, a temporary resort, a place where you'd go to be refreshed and, and rebooted, and, and a place, uh, it's a place you go to until you go to another place. It's like a phenomenal resort. Is everybody tracking? with me. Many people misunderstand what heaven is about. They think it's you're, you're in the clouds, again, bling, 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 you're playing music in a white sheet with, with, with these itty-bitty wings. Those itty-bitty wings wouldn't get me off the ground. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like, I need some big wings. All right. And some people think it's, it's not only that, but you're going to go to a mansion. So here's another kind of misinformation, this term mansion. Anybody ever heard, you know, this kind of idea that we're all going to get a mansion when we get to heaven? And some people can have big ones, and some people can have small ones. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to have my house can be, you know, tricked out. And your house might be a little sugar shack because of all the things you didn't do. And that's people think that kind of stuff. Christians are like judging everybody. So this word mansion comes from John chapter 14. Uh, verse 1 and following where Jesus in the King James translation says, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. But that word mansions in the Greek doesn't mean what you think it means. It actually is referring more to a, a resting place, a temporary place, like a hotel room. It's a stopping point. God's going there. The Greek word is monet, but it it means temporary lodging place. So we have this temporary place. It's wonderful. It's paradise. It's, It's refreshing. It's rest. But it's temporary. We who die now and we who have died before go to paradise. But there's going to be a, that begs the question, well, what is the heaven later? There's going to be a a new heaven, a second heaven, this other place, and the Bible describes it as a new heaven and a new earth. And this is the one that you're going to spend a vast majority of your life, really eternity in. Look in Revelation 21, verse 1, as as John the Beloved is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus reveals to him this. He says, then I saw, John saw, a new heaven 
and a new earth. You see those two distinctions, yet they are coupled together. In other words, heaven is going to be separate, but in fact, heaven will come down to earth. The earth, according to scripture, uh, in other places, is going to be purified by fire and made new. It's going to be restored back to its original perfect state that we see and read about in the book of Genesis. Paradise, the Garden of Eden, what it was like then, it will be restored back to a new earth and a new heaven. Two distinct but coupled together. And so we're going to be able to be uh, in heaven a part of a perfect earth. And so it's important for you to know this because that which you hold on to right now that keeps you from what you're going to later, you want to make sure you don't hold on to so tightly that you don't get to experience the perfect earth that's coming later. And so it'll be a perfect earth along with a new heaven. Sometimes it's referred to as a new Jerusalem or a new city. And then it says, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed passed away. So we don't know exactly that the, the geographical location of this new heaven, 100%, but many people believe, I personally believe, that this new heaven is going to go in Jerusalem, where Jerusalem is now, because the whole earth is going to be perfected. And so what was wrong in Jerusalem will be made right. There will be the, perhaps, I believe it is, but wherever it is, we're going to be able to go from the perfect earth to the new heaven, the new city. We'll be able to pass from those two places. The new heaven of the new earth, excuse me, the new city is where Jesus resides. So now you'll actually be able to go and see him. He won't be far from you. He'll be very near to you. And so we'll live on a perfect earth and be able to go to this new heaven and this new city. It's amazing. And so you need to understand this. Heaven is going to be a perfected earth. Just let that sink in. We're not going to be just floating around in the clouds with banjos all day and robes and choirs popping up once in a while, singing the same song for all eternity. No, we're going to be able to enjoy everything that you have now that you really love, you'll be able to enjoy in its perfected state all the time for all eternity. Does that make anybody a little motivated or what? Okay, so that's what the Bible, so the, so the oceans and, and the seasons and the mountains and the, and the animal life and, 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 and what's the fish of the sea and all those things, you'll have all of that and you'll be able to go to the city of our God and see Jesus where he resides. And the sun will no, the sun will no longer light the planet, but the sun's face, the son of God will light the entire planet according to scripture. His, his face will light the planet. So heaven, what about it? Write this down. Heaven is a real place. Heaven's a real place. Heaven's not a state of mind. It's not just peace. It's not some celestial retirement home. It's a physical location according to scripture. We know that because the Bible actually gives us metrics and measuring tools for it. In fact, it says in Revelation 21, 14, the city was laid out like a square. Talking about the city of our God. This new, this new heaven. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 um, stadia in length. Just translation of that, that's 1,400 miles length, width, and height. So there's a cube, 1,400 miles in every direction, as wide and high, high as it is long. The scripture also tells us that the streets will be streets of gold. Now, you don't have to believe this, but I believe this with all my heart because the Bible, I, I either believe all the Bible or none of the Bible. That's just kind of how I am. You can choose to do that for yourself. But the Bible says the, the streets will be streets of gold, a transparent gold, a pure gold. It says that the gates that are in heaven will be the gates made of a single pearl, 
I mean, it's just incredible. But more importantly, again, Jesus is going to be there. So instead of this just access problem that you have and this distance sometimes that you have with God, no, you're going to be able to be right there with God as well. Next, next thing is heaven is a right place. It's a real place. It's a right place. This means that everything that was wrong in the earth is made what? Right. So it means no more pollution. Come on, somebody. It means no more sickness, no more cancer, no more Alzheimer's, no more heart attacks. No matter, whatever ailment that we are facing in our life today, it, is, it, is, it ceases and desists. It's no more. There's no more. This, this is one I love the most. There's no more traffic jams. I hate traffic. You know, 128, woo, it'll be free and clear. Hi-ho, silver away. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just be able to go. Come on, somebody. And no insurance, no terrorism, all right? Heaven is no side effects to all the food you eat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Calorie-free ice cream. Come on. Entenmann's every day. Whew. I'm sure it's going to be there. Raspberry, of course. Revelation 21.4, by the way, I had one time, <laughs> I always talk about raspberry danishes, it's an addiction I had for many years, I had a guy one time, I was praying for him, and as I prayed for him, I, says, he, he, I, I said, can I pray for you about anything, yeah, and he'd tell me, and then he's got to pray for you, and I, I said, sure, and he whispered up to me, he goes, I drive an Entenmann's truck, I can hook you up, <laughs> I was like, that's an answer to my prayer, like heaven has come to earth, all right, Revelation 21.4, it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. That means no breakup and breakdowns in heaven. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Come on, no hospitals, no sickness, no disease. For the old order, that's the place we're in right now that Scripture is referring to. And you don't want this because if you hold on to this so tight, you might not get the new order. The old order of things has passed away. So the hev heaven is a right place. Heaven is also a relational place. Now, we know and we say all the time as a church that life is all about relationships. People hurt, people heal. A lot of people don't get it. A lot of people get hurt, and so they give up on people, but there's no return without risk. You have to be in relationship. We say that all the time. That that's why we want people to be in community, because the people that are growing are the people that are in healthy relationships. People that are not in relationships are literally actually dying, emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes even physically. My next-door neighbor died alone. We, they found him dead in his house, two weeks dead in his house. He was completely isolated and insulated from the world. A girlfriend from like four years before just happened to, you know, go over and find him there. I mean, that's, that's what happens when we do life. Well, God wants us to be in relationships. You say, well, well, if you're so important about relationships, why is there no marriage in heaven then? Why is there, why is there no marriage in heaven? Well, I don't know. Ask Pastor Deej because he talked about that. <laughs> I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. But... I believe there's no marriage in heaven because there'll be no need for it. God created marriage because Adam was alone in the garden, naked. You know, like, you know, like God just looking down there. He's like, Adam, what is, what is he doing? Oh, my gosh. He, he's going he's gonna to make a mess of everything. You know, he's like running around naked with scissors and stuff. And, and <laughs> he's going to hurt himself. We got to send him a helper. You got to send him a helper. So for companionship, to fill the need that was in Adam, so he sends, he sends a helper, a suitable, perfect compliment to him to help him. But he had that need. There was this, and the other reason that he, he, he sent a helper was not just for companionship, but for procreation. But in heaven, we, 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 don't, we don't get to heaven because of procreation. We get to heaven because of grace through faith that we get to heaven. So there's no procreation in heaven, and there's no loneliness in heaven because all of your needs will be met in him and in relationship with others. 
Listen, listen, you know what it's like. I always say this. This is a principle that I live by. I tell young people this a lot, but it's really everybody. The course and trajectory of your life will be determined by who you do life with. I can tell you the future by telling you your, your friends. So, so you know what it's like to have certain people around. Well, back up. You can contrast some of you who are part of Connect. You know this to be true. What your life was before, before you were part of a spiritual family and in community and serving and using your gifts. You remember before, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's so much better now because I'm plugged in, I'm rooted, I'm planted. I have people in my life that know me, come alongside me, encourage me, pray for me, notice when I'm down, pump me up when I'm up. You know what I mean? You know the before and after. It's because of the people around you. Heaven's going to be like that times a thousand. Imagine the best, most encouraging relationships you could possibly have in your life. That's what heaven's like. Plus, Jesus is going to be there because the spirit and the bride say come. God basically is saying that, you know, I'm the groom, you're the bride, we've been apart, we've been betrothed, but we haven't been together, and now we're going to be together. Together. And the ultimate romance begins to take place between the Jesus and his church. Suddenly, every need you ever had, emotionally, relationally, and physically, is all met in heaven. God knows your needs because he created you. And now the creator of the universe can be with his created for eternity in heaven. That's good news, yes or no? Yes. Let's give Lord praise for that. Come on, that's something you should be happy about. It should make you happy. Amen. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. Heaven is when God and man are together. The dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I love the relational language that he's using in here. And as far as we can tell, just like we have nations and, and people groups on the planet now, we'll have nations and people groups in heaven as well, because God created us. In Colossians, it tells us we were created by him, for him. We were created by him and for him. He created all the different types of people. He loves all different types of people. So if we have issues with other nations and other people groups, we need to get over that as Christ followers. We need to get rid of our prejudices in this life because we're going to be together with a whole bunch of people in the next life. Can I have an amen? amen. Revelation 22.2 says this, On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. This is referring to seasons. We'll have seasons in heaven. Still going to have them. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That word nations is ethnos. It means ethnicities or different people groups. There's going to be different people groups or nations there. God is, listen to all the Brazilians, God isn't going to turn all the Brazilians into people from Chinatown. <laughs> He's not going to make all of us the same. We're all going to be we're all going to be different when we get there. Does everybody understand? But we're going to still be one. And I heard a guy tell me just not too long ago, well, if those people are going to be in heaven, I ain't going to go there. You know what I said to him? That's right, you ain't going to go there. <laughs> you can be sure of that, buddy. Okay? So we need to get rid of our prejudice in the church. The church should be a place where that isn't a part of the church of Jesus Christ, where we accept everybody, we love everybody. We don't have to agree with everybody, but we accept everybody and love everybody. Amen. Heaven also, this is my, one of my favorite points of the message, is a rewarding place. Rewarding. Now, this, mo this should motivate the fire out of you. Okay? You say, you say, Pastor Derek, do you live for rewards? Absolutely, I live for rewards. Yes, I do. I live for rewards. Absolutely. I want to cross that finish line and God say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When I go from this life to the next, I believe we are, again, eternal beings, spiritual beings having human experience. We are eternal. We're going to live somewhere forever. 
When I cross over into heaven, I want him to give me, kind of like when you get out of a basketball game, guys, and the coach is like really proud of you and he gives you that good, bam, boy in the butt. Like, I don't want a really hard smack God, so just don't misunderstand me. But I do want that boy. I'm living for that boy. Is everybody with me? Why? Because he laid his life down for me so I could be there. He gave his life freely. That's what salvation is. It was a free gift that I could not earn or deserve. So salvation is his work for me. Rewards is my work for God. My, my, my rewards, are, it doesn't get me into heaven. His finished work got me there. But in order to be rewarded in heaven, it has to, it's determined what I do in the here and now. It's a big deal. Revelation 22, 12 says, behold, I'm coming soon. God's basically saying, I'm so excited. And he says, I'm not even going to leave my reward in heaven. I'm going to bring it with me. I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Now, let me help you with this because some people get scared about this. There are two judgments in heaven. You don't take my word for it. Read your Bible. It's in there. There's what's called the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne judgment, just imagine just like, you know, Abe Lincoln on the big chair, okay? The great white throne judgment is basically everybody, everybody, all humanity for all history is going to stand before God one day, and in essence, God's going to say, what's the deal with you and my son? What's, he, he did this work for everybody, this finished work. Did you accept that? Did you accept that Jesus paid for your sins, past, present, and future? Did you acknowledge that? Did you accept that he's, he did that? Or are you trying to do it by yourself? If you don't have the right answer for that, you're not going to get to the second judgment, which is the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is not the finished work. It's about your works on earth. And so the judgment seat of Christ is not judged like, I'm judging you. Stop judging me. It's not that use of the word. The judgment is like a contest. Like, you got first place. They judged it. You got second place. Good job. You get this much. You get that much. Good job. It's that kind of a contest judge. Everybody tracking with me. And everybody is going to be rewarded for what they did in this life. So in other words, every time, this, I'm just going to use me. You put you in the story. Every time I pulled over, God said, hey, I want you to go over there. I want you to pull over. I want you to text that person. Notice he said pull over. I was like, oh, I can just drive. No, pull over. So every time you pull over and I text somebody, hey, man, I was just thinking about you. God just had you on my heart. I'm praying for you. I'm believing God for you. Where you been, you're all right. Every time you did that unto them, you did it unto me, the Bible says. Every time that you went to a hospital and you prayed for somebody, every one of those people that was dying, Derek, that you went and you whispered in their ear, and because they confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you let them say, don't worry about it. I'll see. We'll have all eternity together. I'll see you in paradise. You're okay. You can go. You can go. It's okay. Relax. Every time you did that unto them, you did it unto me. Every time you served somebody selflessly, every time you took your time and your talent and your treasure and you did something in this life, I saw that and I'm going to reward that. Well, God, no, you don't, you don't owe me anything because you gave me salvation. No, that, that, I did that for free. But what you did in this life, I'm going to pay you back for every one of those things because I'm a rewarder. And we're gonna, you're going to stand before God one day, and he's going to reward you for that. See, I didn't get that when I was a young Christian. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that we can live for rewards. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. When I was 13 years old, I went to a basketball camp. Dave Cowens. Anybody remember Dave Cowens? Famous Celtic. And, and my parents wanted to help me with my left hand so I could make varsity basketball when I got to high school. And, but I went because there were going to be pretty girls there. 
just confession of an honest pastor, okay? I'm, 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 I'm not the same as I once was, praise the Lord. And so I remember going to this camp, and I played ball, and I enjoyed it and things like that, but it was all about flirting with the girls. Until the last day, I was so disappointed because we got to this big gym, and everybody's inside this gym, and not only the athletes were there, but the parents and, and, and the siblings and, and, and guests were all, and the stadium was just filled with people. And on the basketball court were these tables with trophies ranging in height all the way to these super huge trophies, and there were these medals and t-shirts and all these different things. And then all of a sudden, I could just hear this guy, the camp, Dave Cowens and this other guy, they're just calling people out of the crowd, MVP, most improved, best attitude, you know, best defense for the camp. And I'm looking at all these different people coming out, and I'm thinking, and I look around, I'm going, nobody ever told me there were going to be awards? If I had known that, I would have done camp totally different, because I, I love awards, right? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Listen. When you get to heaven one day, I'm being a good pastor. You cannot say nobody ever told you there won't be rewards. And you can't say I didn't know that. You were told right now. You need to live for rewards. This life is about finding him, but once you find him, it's about leveraging your life to, and to give everything you have for him. Amen? And as Christians, it's not about this whole life. A lot of us, were just preoccupied with earth. And, and you're one of the few people in the few spaces on the planet that actually likes earth. You live in America. You live with, you know, big houses and roofs over your head and nice neighborhoods and gated communities and air conditioning and, 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 and cars where, you know, you don't have to roll down the window to get the air conditioning. You can just push a button for air conditioning. You've got cable TV and you've got Whole Foods. I mean, Whole Paycheck. I mean, Whole Foods. You have a lot to be thankful for. We live in the best part of the earth, perhaps, but this is just a slice of what heaven's life. And if I was to unravel a garden hose and say, here's eternity. It's just a scratch. And some of you are living for the scratch and not for the garden hose. God wants you to live for the garden hose. So here's the point. Live for eternity. Because when you do live for eternity, think about it. When, when there's a bad day, you think about heaven. When it's a good day, you think about how you can use what you have to pass it on to heaven. So what do we do? It's the number one. Heaven's the number one motivator for how we live our lives. So look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of our God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. This is talking about salvation through Jesus. And we are instructed. Everybody say instructed. So in other words, after he saves you, then he instructs you to do what? To turn from godless, all about you living, and sinful pleasures, these misguided, miss-the-mark pleasures. We should live in the evil world with wisdom, righteousness, devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when Jesus Christ is going to return. So how do we do that? How do we live a life like that now? Write this down. We refocus my energies. Refocus my energies. You've got to get, get, get your eyes on the prize. You've got, to, you've got to wear life like a loose garment. Don't hold on to this life so tightly and all the things you have. You know, sometimes we do that. We get so caught up in our toys and our treasures and things like that. Remember, your citizenship is in heaven, according to Philippians chapter 3. The Bible says you're, there's a big word, but you're a sojourner. You're just passing through. You're just passing through. This is just temporary. So in the meantime, use your life, leverage your life for the maximum return for the kingdom of God. Is everybody with me? Because truth is, there are a lot of Christians that really, <clears throat> they really love earth. And the reason they love earth, and the reason maybe you love earth, is all your treasures are on earth. All your treasures are on earth. Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, 
there where your heart be. So if you want your heart to be in heaven, you got to put your treasure in heaven. You want your heart to be in heaven, you need to do things that put your treasures in heaven because there's some treasures we can't take with us. Look at what it says in Matthew 6, 19 in your notes. Paul doesn't, excuse me, uh, the gospel doesn't say think about it. Matthew doesn't say think about it. He says do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on what? On what? In other words, I think the Bible doesn't mind us having them. He just doesn't want them to have us. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in what? Heaven. Figure out a way to take what you have in this life to pass it on to the next. See, that's why we encourage you to get plugged into community and get into groups. Because, because life is about relationships now, but it's also about relationships later. How you play is how you, how you practice is how you play later. You get in a community now, it's going to be the, that's what you're going to be doing for all eternity. That's why we tell people to serve now, because what you do now, the only things that, you're, that you do that can be passed on have to do with what you do for people. That's why it's so important to be relational and connect with people and use what you have for the kingdom of God. There are a lot of people who have been discouraged lately, you know, even in this messed up, you know, uh, excuse me, prosperous world that we live in. But this life, sometimes, it's going to bite you. Some of you get bit from time to time. You know a secret sauce to getting over some of the things is perspective change. See, if you think this, this life is heaven, you're going to be let down. But if you realize heaven is to come, then whatever happens in this life doesn't get you down the same way it gets other people down. The Apostle Paul, he kind of figured this out. You know, he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Either way, I win. He said, I'm hard-pressed, you know, on every side, but it doesn't bother me. I'm persecuted, I'm abandoned, doesn't matter. I'm struck down, I'm not destroyed. And in verse 18 in your notes, 2 Corinthians 4, it says, he said this, so I fix my eyes not on what is seen, because the earth will burn you if you live for it, if you put your hope in it, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is, next word, eternal. So my, my daughter and I, Morgan, we're talking and we love watching the show, The Voice. And there was this singer from a season or two ago. And, and you might have heard about this on the news. She was a new YouTube phenom. Everybody knew about her. And she was singing. And a guy came right up to her and shot her dead. And my, my daughter, we just love this girl. And we're just like, you got to be kidding me. Now, she was a Christ follower. And so what's, 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 what's good about this is that, you know, she's a Christ follower. But, what, you know, when you think about these kind of things, like, what do you say? What can you say? The only thing you can say is, it's temporary. If you know and you put your faith and confidence in God, if you have the hope of heaven, if you have that blessed assurance, it's just temporary. It's like tomorrow. It's a scratch against the garden hose. That's what, that's what having heaven on your mind does for you. Because when, when you have that hope, it changes everything. But the world that we live in now that tries to get us preoccupied the world blinds us and binds us to the truth and the reality of what's going on. I used to go over to my grandparents' house when I was a kid. My parents would, would send me up there sometimes in the summer just to kind of spend some time. I think it was for a reality check because we were so spoiled where we were. And we'd go up to my grandparents' house, and, and, and it would be so hot. And they didn't have air conditioning. They had those fans that you put in the window. You know the ones that they make real loud noise and nothing comes out of them? Like you get up to them, you're like looking for air, and you're like, is it sucking? Is it blowing? I don't know what's happening. I'm dying here. I'm literally dying. I'm losing like pounds every single second. And, and I'm looking for something to entertain me, and I go to the TV, and I have to change the channels like manually. And they don't have cable. 
I'm like, there's no cable, there's no air conditioning. I'm like dying here, you know? And then Grandma come on, oh, isn't it a beautiful day? I'm like, oh, it's not a beautiful day. And she's like, let's play a board game from like 1920. Let's play a board game from like 1920. And we gather around this board game and we're playing, and I'm just dying, I'm just dying. And, and they, they don't feel those problems like I'm feeling because I'm so preoccupied with earth, but, but they're so preoccupied with heaven. And they'd start singing, singing songs, you know, Christian songs and things like that. And, you know, some glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away when I die. Hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away. I'll fly away. And they go on all day like that. And they were just focused on what was to come. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying out there right now? You know, and they'd sing when we all get to heaven. What a day, what a day that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout. That perspective affected me. And I realized that the problems that are going on in my life, they just paled in comparison to what was coming in the next. Focus where you are going, not on where you are. If you're facing, maybe you are listening online or somebody in this room is facing a difficult situation right now. Maybe even facing death right now. You need to understand. You need to understand. Be encouraged. Heaven is better than Boston. Heaven is better than whatever is happening in the here and now. Can I have an amen out there? So here, number two, reach people. Number two, reach people. We need to do everything we can to reach those that are around us. Because Jesus, he came for people. God loves all people. We need to do anything short of sin to reach people because heaven and hell are realities in this life. The language that the, the gospel of Jude uses, it says this, be merciful to those, Jude one twenty two. be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. The Bible is begging you and me to rescue people. The Bible ends with this particular verse in Revelation 22, 17. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Listen, if you don't think you belong, if you don't think you fit in, if you think, you know, you got, you got shame and, and, and guilt and all kinds of things going on. Listen, anybody that's already in, they just got in a little ahead of you. They're no different than you. They're not better than you. They just accepted the drink of salvation. And then it goes on to say, come, whoever's thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift, the water of life. Everybody can have that relationship with God. Anybody who wants it. And so we're going to do whatever we can as a church and as a people of God to reach the lost at any cost. Here's my last point. Write this down. Renew your relationship with God. Now, this is a big one. And I don't want you to check out on me. I want you to tune in. 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. We're looking forward. That's what we should live. The home of the righteous. So then... In other words, since we get this perfect earth and this perfect God, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Can I have an amen out there? Let me tell you something. You can't do what that verse just said. You can't get rid of your spots. You can't get rid of your stains. You can't eliminate that guilt and, and, and the self-blame that you put upon yourself. You can't do that by yourself. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to unite you back to God. This is what I want to do. I want to help you with that connection. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to put your, put your worship guides away. And I want you to be very reverent right now. Please, 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 please. I think God looks from heaven right now and he looks at our hearts and where our, where, our, where our thoughts are right now. And as the prayer team comes to the front, there's going to be time maybe at the end of this service where you need to get out of your seat maybe. Maybe you haven't done it before. Maybe you've never left your seat and you get out and you have somebody pray for you. Because there's going to be two groups of people I want to pray for. 
I want to pray for the group that hasn't, that's not ready for that great white throne judgment. You're going to stand before God, what's the deal with you and my son? I, I don't know that I've reconciled that, Pastor D. I don't know that I've crossed that line of faith. I don't know that I've received that grace reception and said, you know, Jesus is my Savior, Jesus is my Lord, and confessed him with my mouth and believed it in my heart. I've gone to church before, sure. I went to CCD when I was a kid. I was confirmed. I was, I was infant baptized. I did this or I did that. No, 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 no. The Bible's not talking about that. That's not going to get you. And I went to this church. I was in, it's not a club. God doesn't want you to join a church. He wants to join Jesus. He wants you to be in relationship with Jesus. It's all about relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with him? And if you don't, I want to pray for you. But there's a second group of people. You know God. You know God, but you're not like totally surrendered. You're not living for rewards. You're not, you're not living to do the work of God. You're not, you're sitting on your blessed assurance. You're living comfortable. Listen, God is speaking to you through me and just saying, hey, listen, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you have this opportunity to be rewarded and you're going to miss that opportunity if you don't take advantage of it right now. And some of you got to get outside of yourself and begin to live for eternity. And if that's you, you, you need to come and get prayer. You need to be encouraged, but you need to take action because we only have one life. Life is not a dress rehearsal. It's the real show. Now, I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for that first group. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, Jesus came to destroy the barrier that is between God and Jesus. And he removed, Jesus removed the dividing wall of hostility, and he made the two one. Jesus wants to make you one with him again, but you have to ask Jesus in your heart. If you know that you need to do that, I want you to raise your hand good and high and say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to leave today without praying. I'm not going to call you out of your seat. I'm just telling you to, just to respond with your hand being raised. That's me. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. Thank you, sir, over there. Thank you over here. That's awesome. If you're listening online, you can respond too. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Church, would you join me and sincerely pray this prayer? Those that raise your hand, say, Jesus. Come on, everybody. Say, Jesus, save me. I put my faith my trust, and my hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. Let me pray for you. Father, would you seal that prayer for all eternity that they said something from their mouth and they believed it in their heart? That's all they had to do. It's a decision. Now we decide to become a disciple. Now we decide to get out of the stands and get onto the field of faith and do something about it. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to come down front and receive prayer. Even, even, as, even as the MC comes up to close the service, you just get out of your seats and do that at any time from this point forward in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Come on, come on, Deej.